You know, in Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, all this new generation people, everybody know it? Yeah? Hey, everybody's on Facebook, right? I think I'm afraid that even I'll find my grandma on Facebook very soon. They all want to be on Facebook. So if you go through any social media pages, there's this thing, this icon called follow. Right? And, and, and when you talk to each other also, people say, are you, are you following me on Instagram? Are you following me on, on Twitter? Are you following? Just, just go follow me. Follow me, okay? You'll know all about me. It's a, it's a very interesting thing. About 2,000 years ago, there was a man who walked around saying the same thing. He went to these two guys, Peter and Andrew, and said, Hey, are you guys on Instagram? Are you on Twitter? You won't be because it doesn't exist. But can you follow me? It was a very different invite, follow me, than what you and I do today in the social media world. This morning, I want to talk to you on this title, follow me at Jesus Christ. You get it, right? I t- it took a lot of, you know, effort. Jesus, he walked around, spoke to a lot of disciples, and he said, follow me, follow me. And in this digital world, in today's society, the whole idea of follow me is not a close idea, it's actually a distant idea. Because when you follow somebody on any social media page or or anything, you don't really follow everything that they are doing. What you find interesting, you will follow. And you also have the option to unfollow, right? Uh, and, and, And you also have, for certain people, you also have an option to click that bell icon and you will notify, you'll be notified every time that person posts something, right? But does it mean you know everything about that person? It doesn't mean that we know everything about that person. You can watch the highlights thinking you know their life. You can watch their reels thinking that they are really fun. You could, you know, uh, you could go through their profile thinking that you have got to know them. But in the social media world, it doesn't really need commitment to follow anybody you don't really need to put yourself into a committed relationship in fact if you go through your your own social media pages and friend requests on facebook i would guarantee 70 percent of the people who are called friends you don't even know them you haven't even met them they're the friends of friends of friends of friends of friends of friends. Sometimes, you know, Facebook itself, the algorithm, works on its own and tries to, you know, just connect you with somebody and, and just, you know, add friend requests. Have you noticed this? All of a sudden, randomly, you'll have some 30 friend requests from out of nowhere. It gives you a good feeling like, oh, I am important. A lot of people want to be friends with me. Of course, confirm, 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 confirm. 
But when Jesus said, follow me, it had a very different story. It was not just he was asking to follow his highlights. He was not just asking to follow his reels. He was not just asking to follow you whenever you can. He was asking for a committed relationship. He was asking for a committed relationship. I know most of us in here, as well as on Zoom, we're all in a committed relationship with Jesus. Amen? We are all accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior. We love Him. And we are all in a committed relationship with Jesus. But are we actually following Him? That's the second thing. We could be in a committed relationship with Jesus, but the question is, are we actually following Jesus? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20, the verses will come on the screen, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and this is what it says. This is in the context of where Jesus is talking to Peter and Andrew, and he's asking these disciples to follow him, and this is what it says. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now this is busy hours for these two men because this is what they do for life. They f their children go to lifestyle or, or shopping mall and, and buy things because Simon and Andrew went fishing and caught fishes and made money. The family is eating, the family is happy and secure because these two guys go at the actual business hours and do the business that they actually know to do. They are specialists in that. Now during these business hours, a man is interrupting their time. Watch carefully. And this is what he says. Then he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men then he said to them during their busy it's like you know Thailand is teaching in a school and he's teaching in front of some 150 children and they're all getting ready for their important exam and he's in the flow of teaching and Jesus walks in and goes Thailand follow me I will make you teachers of men of many people of millions of people and the rest of the verse says, Thailand immediately left the school. He gave a resignation letter and followed Jesus. That's pretty much what happened here. That's pretty much what happened here. He's saying they immediately left their nets, which means that they immediately left their security. They immediately left what gave them confidence. In fact, they immediately left their identity. <laughs> They, left, they were fishermen and they, who is a good fisherman without their nets and their boats? Their entire life, their identity of who they are is in that verse 18. And verse 19 says, they completely left who they are. It's not an Instagram world. It's not a social media world. This is a different world. And the man who said, follow me, had a different authority. Now, I would have added a, another verse in between if I was Simon Peter. There would have been another verse, you know, verse, verse uh, 
uh, you know, verse 20 would have been different. I would have been like, okay, where are you going? You say, follow me, and I am making a decision for the rest of my life. I would kind of want to know where you are going. No questions asked. Jesus is still the same. He's still inviting people in this very present day to be his disciples. And that verse, that, that question or that, that statement, follow me, is still available for all of us. He's still asking us to follow him. But the question that we all fail to ask is, where is Jesus going and where am I going? I claim that I'm following Jesus, but where is he going and where am I going? This is why you've got to be very careful in what voice you follow, whose voice you follow, what you hear, what you listen, what you allow your soul to be fed into, even in your social medias. Be careful in who you choose to follow because are they going where you are going? Are they going to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are they in the same destination as you? I'm not saying if they're not going in the same direction, reject everybody. Of course, we have the responsibility to bring people. But are you going to allow their content to feed you? Or are you going to allow your content to feed them? Everybody with me so far? If you're not, stay with me. The question is, where is he going? Jesus was on the move. Nobody asked any questions. I remember when I was preaching at a church in Bangalore. And at the end of the sermon, I was giving an altar call similar to this saying, follow Jesus. And there's a young woman at the front who was worshipping, but she heard something different. When I said, follow Jesus, she decided, I will follow you. That's my wife. She just looked at me and goes, there is none like you. No one else could. Come on, somebody touch my heart like you do. It's the anniversary week. I get to say anything. You know, in the Bible, Jesus teaches with parables. And parables, he uses one story to teach one truth. If you look at any parables, God will use one story. Jesus will use one story to explain one truth. In some instances... He will use one story to, or two stories to explain the same truth. But there is a parable or one truth that remains in the Bible where he actually used three parables to explain the same truth. If you look at Luke, um, the Gospel of Luke, there's these three parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. 
the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. If you look at Luke chapter 15, verse 4 to 10, if you got your Bibles, you can go with me there to Luke chapter 15, verse 4 to 10. It says, For what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. God is rejoicing over one sinner, one sinner who has come back to the fold. One sinner who has come back to the fold over 99 who did not leave the fold. Right? Stay with me. And verse 8 it says, Or, he's going into the next parable, Or that woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, earlier I asked this question, where is Jesus going? I'm sure and I hope you have got where he is going from these two parables. If you haven't, let me try the third one. Following these parables, he talks about the prodigal son, the lost son. We all know the sto story of the lost son, right? Everybody knows the story of the lost son. He was, you know, he wanted to leave his father's house. He goes out, you know, he took, uh, he take uh, the father's possession. He took everything, enjoys it. And later he realized that he has made a mistake. And him being a lost son wants to come back to his father. And he wanted to come back as a servant and not as a son and the father comes running to him and holds him tight, gives him a hug, saying that you were my lost son, but now I have found you. I am going to rejoice. So he gives him the best feast that he could ever possibly give. I want us to analyze these three parables. If you look at this, all three parables, you see the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. There is these three factors that is common. There is God in the middle, there is the wrong place, and then there is the right place. If you look at the parable of the sheep, God is the shepherd who is in the wrong place. That one sheep is in the wrong place. But who is in the right place? The other 99 sheep. If you look at the parable who, uh, of the women who lost a coin, who is God in that parable? That woman. Who is in the wrong place? Come on, you must get it by now. That one coin. And who is in the right place? The nine coins. And you look at the parable of the lost son. Who is the God there? Father. And there's one son who is lost. And there's one son who is in the right place physically. But in his attitude, he is jealous over his um, brother. He's still in the wrong place in his mind. 
but physically he's in the right place. If you look at this, what can you see? Where do you think Jesus is headed? If I have to draw an arrow, the arrows will be all pointing towards the right place? Is it the right place? It will all be pointed towards the wrong places. It will all be pointed towards the wrong places. If you look at all the religious critics who lived during Jesus' time, their complaints were, you are always with the sinners. In other words, if you claim that you are the Messiah, if you claim that you are the rabbi, you must be in the right place, in the synagogue, in the temple, with the rest of the 99, with the rest of the nine coins, with the one son that you have left. And I want to add another element, and it breaks my heart every time I do this, is that John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved us that he gave his only son and this time in the wrong place there's millions of people and in the right place he has his only son and the only son and God all came together God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit came together for you and I who were at the wrong place. Turn to the neighbor, look at them and tell them, I was in a wrong place once. Everybody in the Zoom, can you type it in the chat? Tell somebody, I was in the wrong place once. I was in the wrong place once. But because he was focused on the lost, because his eyes were on the wrong places, looking for the wrong people, looking for the messed up ones, looking for the weak people. They were saved. They were, you know, repent, save, I'm come back into the fold. Where is Jesus headed? If we are following Jesus, if we are following Jesus, we got to follow the people who are lost because that's where Jesus is going the problem with today's Christianity is that hey I'm with the 99 I'm with the nine coins I want to stay in the right place because the right place is the place of righteousness and we are filled with righteousness and we think that if we can stay within the 99 and let go of the one and we mock at the one, we laugh at the one, we feel better looking at the one. We think that we give to God better, we worship to God better, we serve Him better, we are sinless and blameless because there's one lost out there. And all the 99 feels like, oh look, look at us. We're good. We're good. We're good. In everything, we're good. The shepherd is going to be with us. He's going to come and give us a lot of chocolates, a lot of blessings. 
Because we are entitled to this. Because one is lost, but we are all in the right place. And the shepherd is like, okay, stay there. I'm not worried about you. And he goes after the lost. If you and I, if we are following Jesus in our everyday life, can you go after the lost, my friend? Can you go after the people who are lost, who are living without hope? You and I, we might be in the right place. We might be carrying hope in our hearts. But what about the people who are lost? If we are called to follow Jesus, we got to be following where He is going. And He is going after the lost. Well, we are... I'm good. Dancing and clapping and rejoicing. Nothing wrong with that. But can we go after the lost? Can we go after the lost? You see... Simon Peter in Matthew chapter 4, later he was renamed as Peter and, and the rock and, and he becomes a strong follower of Jesus. But fast forward in that gospel, in gospel of Matthew chapter 26 verse 58, now the stakes are high. Jesus is about to be crucified. To follow Jesus is going to cost the disciples something. It's not an easy situation now. When he called them by the boat, things were different. But now in Matthew chapter 20, uh, um, 26, things are different. It says, but F Peter followed him where? At a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Jesus is about to be crucified. His journey, his earthly journey is going to come to an end. Now Peter <coughs> followed him at a distance how close are you to Jesus how closely are you following him the further the distance in our following of Jesus the more we are focused on ourselves and not the lost let me say that again you look at Peter right He's following Jesus at a distance, which means that his heart is also at the distance. Because later in the chapter, what happens is that when some of the soldiers, when they identify Peter to also be the one of the disciples of Jesus, what did he do? He denied it. He denied it, he rebuked it, and he cursed, and he spoke bad words at them. And he said, I have nothing to do with this guy. The the, the further you follow him, there's more distance between you and Jesus. You are focused on yourself. You're focused on protecting yourself. You're focused on the things, you know. But the closer we get into following of Jesus, the more focused we are on the lost we are on the people who need saving. I don't know if this morning you came for a sermon <clears throat> that God is going to bless you, that God is going to lift you up, you will buy a Lamborghini or some guinea. God will raise you up. I'm not here to preach that sermon. Because those blessings doesn't matter anymore. If I can stay close to Jesus, I am blessed already. 
I'm blessed already. I'm blessed already. What matters is that what matters to Jesus matters to me now. If Jesus is in the slum, I would like to be in the slum and serve the people there. If Jesus is among the lost, hopeless people, the most unattractive people on this planet, I want to be among them. Can you be that? It's a challenge. Can we be that? Can we be that? I want to close my sermon with a story. How many of you have seen or know the, know the story about Titanic? Yeah? How many of you have seen, seen the movie Titanic? Come on, it's okay. Put your hands up. I don't know for what reasons you saw the movie, but if you saw it, you can, it's okay. Those who get it will get it. Titanic, when these guys filmed it, they had to do quite a few research, go back to where it was and find its remainings and create and reconstruct it. But a lot of times we talk about the ship, right? We talk about, you know, it's the magnificent vessel that, that everybody thought it will not go back to the previous life, that everybody thought that it will never sink. But there is a true story, a real hero in the Titanic. It's not Jack. It's not Rose. Kill that thought right now. When the Titanic was sinking and everybody was, you know, crying for their life, something that they never expected to happen, happening in the middle of the night. And the Titanic was carrying a lot of lifeboats. And in the lifeboat, that when they were watching from distant, the lifeboat had the capacity to carry more people, but the lifeboats were only half full. Because not everybody jumped into it. Not everybody were called to jump into it. All the lifeboats were only half full. In other words, they were half empty. They say that if more people jumped into the lifeboats, more people would have been saved. But the lifeboats were only half full. When the ship finally started sinking, there was a man called John Harper. John Harper was a pastor, a reverend, who has got a church in London, and he was traveling to Chicago to preach at the Moody uh, Bible Institute and at the churches. And he was traveling with his six-year-old daughter, Annie. So when the ship was sinking, Reverend, you know, um, John Harper took his little daughter, Annie Jessie, six years old, put her in the lifeboat. And he said, as the lifeboat was lowering, he said, I'll see you, honey, on the other side. He prayed with her and he sent her away. Annie cried, Daddy, get into the lifeboat. Get into the lifeboat. And his daddy said, and her daddy said, No, Annie, I will see you on the other side. 
And she's crying, come on, get into the lifeboat, come on. And she saw her dad walk back in. And he ran into every bunk, into every room, knocking and waking people up, saying, the ship is sinking. Get up and come out. Get up and come out. As many people started coming out, they realized there's not enough lifeboats for everybody to jump in because a lot of lifeboats were lowered. They, they were half full. They were half empty. They were running out of lifeboats. And there's thousands of people gathering on the decks, that on the deck of the ship that is sinking, taking this position. John Harper started running upwards, stood on the top, and he started shouting, How many of you know Jesus Christ? If any of you in this last moment, if you are a sinner, give your life to Jesus. He started preaching. Annie is watching her dad on the tip of, of, of this boat, of the ship, preaching. And she is scared for her life. Death is imminent. Then in front of Annie's eyes, she sees the ship going all the way in and her father, Reverend John Harper, going inside the water. A lot of lifeboats just kept going and going and going and going and going. And there was one lifeboat that after the ship sank, there was one lifeboat that came back looking if there are anybody, if there's anybody still alive in the water if they need rescue and as this one lifeboat approached they saw this one man in the water holding on to a wooden plank talking to another person who is alive in that freezing cold holding on to the wooden plank holding on to the icebergs and he's talking to another person and it was John Harper alive and in the water he was asking this other person, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And he shares the gospel in that freezing cold as they are dying. And this person again, after sharing the gospel, again asked this person, do you know Jesus now? He says yes. And he leads them into a prayer. And as they were praying, they both shut their eyes and died in the water. The reason why somebody is able to tell this story is because there was one man in that lifeboat that returned back who was watching the conversation and his name was William and there was a titanic reunion that happened and he was a young boy in that boat. And he saw this, he heard the gospel and he gave his life to Jesus in that boat and during the reunion he stood up and he said what was the greatest thing that ever happened to you in the boat of Titanic in the ship of Titanic he said I gave my life to Jesus in the lifeboat because of Reverend John Harper we even feel guilty to clap right great story inspiring story let me ask you something and I'm asking myself this question as well. What's your excuse? 
What's my excuse? You can go read all about it. There's an entire book on it. I'm not making this up. That's the true love story that the film missed in making the movie. People fell in love with Jesus in the boat of Titanic because he stood and said, I will follow Jesus. I would follow Jesus. No matter where I am, I am called to speak about Jesus. We have no excuse. We're not sinking. We feel like we are sinking. Can we, can we reach people who are lost and tell them, follow me? Follow the one who I'm following? I'm not perfect. This is what this church is about. That we are encouraging anybody and everybody to come here to follow Jesus. Not to follow me, not to follow anybody else, not to follow a style, but to truly be in a committed relationship with Jesus. And keep going to the lost. You don't need to be perfect to go to the lost. You have a perfect Jesus who is going to the lost. Just go with Him. Just go with Him. Amen.